Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we've got two very special guests, so I want to get this stuff out the way early. Please follow us at MetallicaPod, patreon.com forward slash AlphaMetallica if you want to help support the show. Get in touch with me as well, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to come on, you want to do a review, you want to do an episode, very, very welcome. And leave us a review on iTunes. Now, you may have noticed that there has been a metric fuckton of new Metallica podcasts of late. I think there's been about three or four in the last month, and I'm not overestimating like there's been a hell of a lot but in my bias eyes there are only two of course there is Al- there is Alpha Metallica and then there is the podcast to which Alpha Metallica is very much the Ron McGovney in relation to Metal Up Your Podcast and I've got Clint and Ethan on the show together uh, how's it going guys? Yo let's give it up for us let's give it up for us yay us we're the pioneers we're I think like Metal Sucks have a, have a podcast Metalla Chat shout them out uh, speak and destroy but I, I see it as us guys really at the vanguard <laughs> I mean as far as the big four is concerned I'd say that maybe we're Metallica and you, you're Slayer that's that's kind. That's kind. Uh, uh, I think I'm probably you're, anthrax. You're, you're not anthrax. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. Then. No one wants to be the anthrax. No. Poor anthrax. No. I. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't really know any anthrax. I know that's a shock horror thing to say. I could. They no, co- I'm they co- um, Got the time. They covered that Joe Jackson song, which is okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I prefer the original, really. I mean, a roundabout way of saying Matt Lowe, your podcast. I'm so happy to have you guys on the show. Dude, we're happy to be here as always. It's it's been fun to kind of coexist uh, with these other podcasts but especially yours we've, we've probably grown closest to you as a, a fellow yeah. podcaster yeah yeah I, I, Clint you said you just you just stumbled off the bus right you've been on a show a show last night you played yeah the the, the band that I'm in we had two shows this weekend and um, obviously Tom's across the old pond there and mm-hmm. so it's 10 a.m. or it's 11 a.m. here and uh, we just got home and I got off the bus and came here feeling a Slightly hungover. <laughs> this is <laughs> our normal. We usually like to like to rock it late at night. Yeah, th- this is one of one of the earliest episodes we've recorded. Sometimes we'll, I'll record, or one of us will be recording early if we're doing remote episodes, like when I've been in Europe and stuff. But mm-hmm. this is there's not many pre <clears throat> excuse me pre lunch episodes. I'm, I'm literally drinking a fucking coffee right now. So. <laughs> uh, and Ethan, you're going on tour with Jack O'Shea soon. Yeah, man. No, I'm. Uh, Glad you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I totally Josh... didn't just get your Instagram up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, my friend Jack O'Shea is in this in this really cool punk rock band called Bayside, and we're really close friends. He also lives here in Nashville. And uh, we, a couple months ago, just decided, like, because we both do solo music, we're like, we should go play shows together. And we don't have a booking agent. We don't have a manager, nothing like that. So we just did it, like, old school DIY as old school as you can with social media, but mm-hmm. we booked it all through Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. what they did is they got on Facebook and Instagram just like the Ramones did. Just like the Ramones <laughs> and the Clash did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just self-booked a tour, so we've got we got five shows in a week, and uh, yeah, we're hitting up a bunch of... We're hitting Chattanooga, Lexington, Cincinnati, Chicago, and Champaign, Illinois. So if you're in the States, and uh, just go to my Instagram, and you can find out info. Tom's buying a, a, a plane ticket right now. Oh my God, like, yeah. I love Jack O'Shea. I, I cannot believe yeah, you nice. and Jack O'Shea are going on tour. So you kind of look similar. Uh, yeah. Is that fair to say? Me and, me and Jack. Yeah, sort of your you know how, you, your mugshots you, on the poster at least. Oh yeah, I, I I I put that together and kind of made him look similar. But if you saw us in person, Jack is quite short and I'm quite tall. Right. <laughs> okay. But it's going to be fun. Jack's Jack's a really, uh, really good songwriter, and he for the first time ever has been writing solo songs and we just recorded an EP form actually in in our in my studio where we do the podcast. Hmm. 
Excellent. Well, I mean, you know, today we're doing Enter Sandman, which it was a huge occasion for the podcast, really. And I had to get you guys on. I wanted to get you guys on together for anything, really. But I figured this, you know, inarguably their most popular song. It made sense to get you on. And Ethan, we'll start with you. Like, what's the first memory? Because I know you were a fan for quite a while before Sandman came out. Do you remember seeing it for the first time, hearing it for the first time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I I probably became a fan about two years prior on Just This when I saw the one video. But I remember specifically being on vacation in Santa Barbara, California with my family. And my dad wanted to go to a record store. And, and I was like, can I get a tape? Because I had a little, my little Walkman with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember going in there and I knew Metallica was releasing a new record. And I saw it on display at, on the counter. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's out. So I went, I went to go buy one. And the, the store clerk was like, actually... We put those out a day early. I don't know if I could sell it to you right now. It's like, please, you have to sell this to me. And he ended up selling it to me. And a second I got back to our, our hotel by the beach in Santa Barbara, I listened to that thing nonstop. And I wasn't like, <clears throat> I was so young that I wasn't like this diehard thrash metal fan by any means. The only thrash metal I knew was Metallica and maybe Anthrax and Megadeth. But I just remember not being affected by it like a lot of people were, where it was such a departure from Justice and Puppets and stuff. So for me, it was just, I mean, that's my fondest memory of that record. The day before it came out, I had it in my hands, and I just sat there looking at the liner notes, listening to it. Like just second side A went in, I'd flip the tape over and just repeat for the whole weekend. Clint, what about yourself? I had no knowledge of Metallica before seeing the Inner Sandman video. Mm. And I, I was an MTV kid, but I don't I don't remember seeing the one video. I know that they played it a lot, but for me, it was like, it may as well have been this new band Metallica. And, I mean, the video is so creepy. The song, I mean, it's one of the most bitchin' song titles, let yeah. alone songs. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I was just hooked, man, hooked. They were my new favorite band, went out and bought the record. Probably similar to Ethan, had the cassette tape. And like most people, I loved Inner Sandman. So that was my favorite song off the Black Album. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is it kind of like Enter the Dragon? Like, what is the Enter about? Why is it called that? Uh, I I mean, I'd say, like, it it just Enter... Is it like a stage direction? It's almost Shakespearean, isn't it? No, I I think he's saying Enter the enter the dude who's going to usher you into the dream world right like freddy krueger right yeah. right right <laughs> right it's actually about freddy krueger it's about freddy krueger yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, 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 the intro uh, that opening riff the drums kirk's obnoxious but it works wah it, 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 it's iconic <laughs> it's that obnoxious on that song but it's it's almost like he fell on his guitar but it works you know what i mean it just kind of like it's quite an absent strum but it's just it's so iconic isn't it just the, fir- of course, the first yeah, minute or yeah. so of the song it's it's still it still gives me goosebumps when i listen to it me too and i'll tell oh, you yeah. this um the country band that i play in we do inner sandman at our show we do oh, this like yeah. We do this big, it's a real kind of bluegrassy country song, and but what we do is we break it down, and it's the, it's sort of the guitar hero moment of the show where we all trade solos and shit, mm. and the crowd loves it and all that. We have a fiddle player, so we trade all these solos, and then it sucks back down to just a four-on-the-floor kick, and I do this really hammy thing where I go out and get them all clapping, and and uh, and I, I so I get everyone clapping, I'm like, all right, everyone keep clapping, we're going to have some fun here, and I walk, if there's a catwalk, I walk all the way out, and I start playing that first riff to Inner Sandman, Hundred percent of the time, the fucking house goes down. Oh, of course, and it should. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone knows that song, dude. Everybody does. Even if you're not a Metallica fan or you've never owned a record, you know Inner Sandman. Totally. I don't know if they even have any other songs that are that ubiquitous. I mean, I think that's this is the winner. Yeah, and and like Tom, what you mentioned about just uh, the intro alone, 
before it even really kicks in, just Lars's drum parts. It's it's just so well thought out, especially mm. when you watch that year and a half in the Life of Metallica documentary, where he's hacking that part out. It, it the way it builds, it's just on the toms at first. Then he kind of adds a snare in there, and then it like has that good build up into the big explosion of the riff. Yeah, completely. I, I, I love it. I lo- yeah, I love the way the song gathers its components together and then builds to that you know ejaculate of a riff at about a minute in. <laughs> yeah. um, it reminds me a little bit of sort of I don't know from Watchmen, like Doctor Manhattan, like rebuilding. Like you, you hear little bits of the riff sludging out, and then when it gets to the fifty-five seconds <clears> and we get into the main end summer riff, I mean, arguably one of Kirk's crowning moments songwriting-wise, that riff. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean Kirk wrote that riff and. You can't argue that it's, it's it's their biggest song. They're never gonna not play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been played. It's uh, always in the set. Twelve hundred times, more than twelve hundred times, they've played it. Wow. Well, and I'll say this: like, I I don't personally put on Inner Sandman a lot. I it, I didn't, it doesn't occur to me. But if it's on, I'm not skipping it. Like, no. no. I was listening to it today, obviously, to prepare for the episode on the way to HQ One, and uh, just fucking grinning ear to ear, man, cranking it. I mean, it's I so love good, it. man. It, the crazy thing too about that that not only that song and and how it catapulted Metallica into this whole other level, but that whole record in general to, to this day still sells multi thousands a week. I think it sells five thousand a week. Uh, oh, the, the biggest number recently, I think, was three thousand. But still, that record came out. Well, actually, so- no, uh, no. It was actually three thousand four hundred and seventy. Hold, hold on, let me get my graphing calculator. I believe it was <laughs> two thousand nine hundred and ninety-seven. Point six. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it's crazy that a record that is as old as it is now, can it, it's still capturing people. You That's know? the power of it, man. Yeah, exactly. Tom, well, Tom, what's your memory of it? I know you're, you're a bit younger and kind of came on later. What's your deal? Yeah, I don't really have a memory, to be honest with you. I think it was the first mm. Metallica song that I really got into. Um, I said before on the show, my cousin burned a few CDs onto my Windows Media Player. Uh, Shattered shat, nice. shat 2004. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, I think like most people, it's just such an immediate song. You don't need any grounding in what metal is. You know, it, it's very mainstream despite being really heavy. And, sure, yeah. You know, yeah, I just couldn't, I couldn't get enough of it. And I think part of it was just the production. Like, it sounds unbelievably powerful. Yeah, it you know, sounds great. Oh, Bob Rock, man. Yeah, yeah, it sounds so widescreen. And I love um, the verse, especially. Like, the verse is very, very simple. I think it's just a F uh, into the open E. You know, it's just a very, there's nothing really fancy going on there. But hey, yeah, it's just, just, just chugging along. Mm, mm. The content as well as the song, I mean, you touched on before with the salmon. Like, it's not really anywhere Hetfield's gone before or after. And it makes it all the more special, I think. Yeah, I agree. Well, they had, I mean, from what I've read, um, they had that title, you know, laying around for a while. And they would say, this Inner Sandman thing, we got to write it. We don't even know what it is yet. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. I know for me as a songwriter, sort of having a premise, or, I mean, I, I for the, this Lunar Satan record I'm making, I have like 15 titles that I'm so stoked. <laughs> I haven't written them yet, but like, I like the idea of, the, I don't think they often did that. I think they usually build all the riffs first. Sure, yeah. And usually it's the lyrics and vocals that come last. But I, I like the idea of them having sort of this cool bitch and premise. Yeah, well, and, th- and that, as, you know, Clinton, uh, can, excuse me, Clinton being songwriters, like, I've done that before where I've thought of s- some kind of cool phrase, term, whatever. I'm like, man, that would be a great song title. Let me see if I can write to that yeah, instead of doing like the normal thing and starting with the riff and then the melody and so, of a, so forth. Yeah, it's kind of a top-down thing. Yeah, I recently came across a book in the library of um, Paul McCartney's songs, but it was like a poetry book, and it was just looking at them purely as lyrics. And Ooh, I wow. don't know 
you know, I know you, you guys talk a lot about the lyrics of Metallica on the show. I, I personally don't focus as much on them. But I think Enter Sandman, if you just read it on screen, it works so well. Especially that chorus. Exit light, enter night, take my hand. We're off to never, never land. Like, it's killer. It, yeah. it is absolutely murderous, isn't it? I, I have a hard time. Um, I know we, we both, both you and, and uh, our show, we have a lot of fans and listeners that were sort of thrash purists. And I understand that for some people... Black Album was disappointing. We had one guy write in and say that he threw it out of his car. Right, yeah, I've had those guys, <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I, you know, it, it's not like it's a fucking huge mystery, but I do have a hard time understanding what's not to like about it. It's heavy, yeah. it's heavy, it's dark, it's scary. It's yeah. like, if you like the thing that should not be, or if you, there's, or Harvester of Sorrow, it's not yeah. that different than some of that we, shit. We've talked about that kind of stuff before, that like, I think really the only thing is that there's just not a super fast thrashy drum beat or full song anywhere on that record. And that's fine because if you listen to Master of Puppets or Ride the Lightning. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what are you saying? There's no thrash song on the Black Album? No, no fast thrash song. Like a, Holier than thou? I'm talking faster, like like battery speed. Oh, okay. Right on. Like yeah, yeah. actual thrash thrash, yeah, you know? Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And so I understand that maybe someone's like, it's not as thrashy as the last record. But A, the songs are fucking great. Uh, the production is great. Uh, all the performances are great. Um, but if you don't like that, I would think you wouldn't like Fade to Black. I uh, Totally. You wouldn't like Sanitarium. You wouldn't like Orion. Well, it just seems like they were just doomed. Like, you know, we we all have talked about it. They From Fade to Black on, they've been accused of being sellouts. Uh, they're just riddled with that shit. They just can't escape it. Well, I mean, I don't think they care. <laughs> no, that's what we love about them, right? What do you make about the heavy thoughts tonight that aren't of Snow White? A lot of people ridicule that lyric. Yeah, it's not the best in the. It's not the best. <laughs> I, I honestly sometimes forget that's in there. <laughs> Snow White is mentioned in the Metallica song. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I've never. I've actually never thought about it that what way. What if the song is just about Disney movies? Yeah. <laughs> never Neverland. We got so we got our Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Snow White. Maybe that was his source material. Was like Aesop's Fables. Or and that. maybe the uh, what, what we all know is Bob Rock's son doing the spoken word Lord's Prayer. Maybe that's actually one of the dwarves. Is that actually is that actually Bob Rock's son? I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. You didn't know that? Yeah, that's Bob Rock's son. Oh, awesome! And again, there's a clip. There's a clip. There's okay. a clip of it in the Year and the Half documentary, but I don't think they say it in there. But it's it was Bob Rock's son. Okay, right, cool. Right, right, and and that's another section that shouldn't necessarily work. Like it's it's very eighties cheesy having this Lord's but Prayer it, in it, but but it's so good. It's, I totally agree. It it should it great. work, but it does. And they even pull it off live. They play the tape of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds awesome, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there's also been controversy about that part, because, of course, from our friend Dave Mustaine, because in their song, Go to Hell, they do the same thing. Oh, and does it predate? I think it predates... I should have looked this up before we started oh, this, but Jesus, I think it predates. Dale, Dave Mustaine taking credit for Inner Sandman now. Hello, Lord's Prayer. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Hello, Hello Marley. Marley. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Peter Pan. <laughs> Kurt gets a lot of slack on this podcast, I've got to be honest, and I'll go in on him quite hard, but this solo is one of the best metal rock guitar solos ever, in my opinion. It's, it's oh, tremendous. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a classic Kirk solo. It, uh, yeah. On our Black Album episode, it's the I praise Kirk hardcore on this album. I think it's a melodic peak for him. This is the one song that I ripped on his solo, though. Yeah, oh, I like this solo. Well, you know, I ripped on it, but when I think about it, I can't imagine it being anything else. Right, yeah. It's... it's it's got a lot of really clearly defined hooks in it. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I think we could, all, I, we could all sing it right now, note for note. <laughs> I went for the end. You went for the ending, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, 
yeah, we don't need to go on and on, but and I like the uh, sort of. Or do we? <laughs> we'll be the judge of that. I like his um, Steve Vai, Jason Becker inflection towards the end, which again yeah, is kind of goofy, but it all comes together. It really does, yeah, and it, it transitions nicely into the spoken mm. word part. We have you have the drums from the intro back in again. You know, they talk about when they were making that record, obviously, and a really interesting question is, did you know at the time that you guys were kind of making this thing that's really special? Did It, it didn't just feel like another record. And I think Lars has come out and said, like, man, we we knew, especially with a song like Inner Sandman, it's, it's almost like just everything lined up at the right spot. They had those songs, that mainstream. They had mm. a decade of groundwork behind them. And they call it taking the gospel of Metallica to the world. And yeah. That's the song that did it. No doubt. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That song, I mean, my sisters knew that song, and they hated metal. And it, you know, it doesn't hurt that you got Nothing Else Matters, Sabbath, True, Unforgiven, Wherever May Roam. That's just the record full of bar yeah. burners. But yeah. Inner Sandman gets, wins the MVP, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of my favorite memories of that song is the year that record came out, and they played the VMAs mm-hmm. on MTV. And they came out and played Inner Sandman, and it was just like, they just burned that stage down man it was so good tom when you saw them uh, on the world wired tour a few months ago in birmingham what did you think about inner sandman live loved it absolutely loved yeah. it. i mean you just yeah you just know it's gonna come on uh i, I couldn't wait for it and uh, i think it was one of those ones it's kind of weird when you see metallica like you'd think that every single song people go crazy for but it's the most mainstream songs that people really go for and it's like don't you know everything like i was kind of a bit <laughs> amused like it's just a bit odd but yeah it was uh it was a treat, and I, I, they, they haven't got bored of playing it. It doesn't say, like Metallica don't seem bored of playing any song, but some bands you see the hits are trotted out. Yeah, um, like uh, a bit of an off tangent, but I've been going on a really heavy Boston binge recently. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> That, that sentence has never been said before. No. <laughs> Shout out Boston. Incredible first album. Don't look back. The sequel, not quite as good. Not enjoying yeah. it as much. But I've been watching a lot of Boston footage, and they're clearly quite bored of playing more than a feeling and stuff. Like they're just going through the motions, but Metallica really, you know, G'd up by it and interested in it. So yeah, it was great to see. And I, I love after the chant when the song does what it did at the start, it just builds back down rather than building up. And I don't know if you guys have heard this or any listeners have heard this. I only heard this today with my headphones on, but the last 30 seconds, you can hear kirk doing some lead lines i uh, thought about yeah. it i was listening to it today yeah. i thought this is weird this is like are these like solo out there yeah it's weird isn't it why is there's that a, there? yeah some random little 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 noodling if you will uh, yeah. towards doodles actually yeah uh, towards the end of that song <laughs> yeah another th- another thing i was noticing too is like james is doing this really creepy often never neverland but they put this like phaser on his yes. voice yeah 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 I love that. I, th- I mm. think his, I think James's vocal performance on this song is great. You know, I wanted to say I wanted to just for a second to go back to them them still p- playing it passionately live. Mm. What I what I kind of picked up on the World Wired tour, I got to see it twice. Is they seem like a really, especially James, like a really grateful band. Yes, mm. and you know, people bitching about Inner Sandman, but they're like, look, we love that we have Inner Sandman in our pockets. We love that a whole stadium of people are going to sing this chorus. Yeah, we're going to play it like. We're going to pay respect to it. Almost, oh, and I mean, know? and how many times have you and I heard that song in our lifetime? And Probably about six, six or seven, at least six or seven, yeah. And then when you and me and Paul Moak were up in Detroit for the show, when Inner Sandman started, we were fucking stoked. Mm. Yeah, mm. we've heard it a million times, but doesn't matter. It's still a great song. And if you don't like the song, go try to write one better. Yeah, I'm not bored of it. Uh, although I'm bored of Paradise City. You know what I mean? Well, I, I am too. I, I, Me there's too. certain there's certain massive rock songs that I am bored of, but Enter Sandman, sure, it's still electrifying to me. Yeah, I agree. 
And uh, I mean, yeah, what what more can you say about this song? I'm sure everyone has heard this song and it's still so effective. Let us know in the comments, uh, you know, what you think of the track. Any, any closing thoughts, guys, on Enter Sandman? Um, I, I'll say that the older I get, the more I like this song. Yeah, isn't that rare? It's it's hmm. interesting, and that, that speaks for the whole album. Because yeah. I, I found myself for a while, maybe not for like years and years, but not given as, as much listen listening time to the Black Album. And of course, doing this podcast, I've listened to that album a lot more. And even the other night, I was editing a bunch of photos, and I was just listening to the Black Album. And the second Enter Sandman kicked in, I was like, God, this song is so good. I still mm. love it. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, my my I guess my takeaway is even if it was a deep cut that never was a single, I'd still love it. Yeah. But I like what I like it almost too as a symbol for the band. You know, like it's the first it, song. It, it, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's it's got this whole other life around it because it. You know, she sent them into the stratosphere. Yeah, so. totally. Mm-hmm. It's it's all cool in the gang. My book, I love it. I just can't wait for Tom's new podcast called "More Than a Feeling" <laughs> about, about Boston. Boston. <laughs> the thing is, I always ask at the end of the show, "Do a podcast?" Oh, I should shout out someone by the way. Thanks for reminding me, Roy, who is doing um, Sabbath Bloody Podcast, and he mentioned he mentions you guys as well in the intro as well as me as sort of making awesome. do a podcast. So he's doing a Black Sabbath podcast, and yep. I, w- I want to urge just, everyone. Uh, yeah, it out today. Yeah, I just yeah. saw it. Yeah, he just tweeted at us or something. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, that's cool. Are you are you a Sabbath fan? I I, I enjoy Sabbath. Um, I don't know them that well, to be honest with you. Um, and I know probably their more obscure albums. I think there's an album called Computer God from the '90s that I know quite well. There's a song called Get a Grip that everyone listening listen to that song. It's one of the best Iomi riffs. No one knows about fantastic riff. But yeah, I know like Paranoid and Sabbath Bloody Sabbath and stuff like that. And I mean, they're mm-hmm. an incredible band. And you know, being from Birmingham, sort of familiar. And that's I mean. Well. He- Dude, even the even the Dio years were pretty bitching. Oh man, oh, Mob yeah. Rules, Heaven and Hell record. Oh, sure, man. Yeah, <clears throat> there's um, but but yeah. So anyway, he's done this Sabbath podcast. Check it out. Um, it's actually quite good. It's kind of like he listens to the songs with you and comments on them. But he's quite a witty, oh, interesting cool. guy, and he has loads of interview clips like he had, he had a, a clip from sabbath's first manager that they sacked after like two weeks or something talking about the band and yeah I, I want people to, but yeah so i always say do a podcast and maybe when i'm older i'll do a boston podcast because i, <laughs> I genuinely think boston's debut is slept on it's one of the best rock albums i've ever heard and like I'm i do be, I, I do like some boston songs yeah. I, I i do love their, their guitar minis do you know Rock and Roll Band? Which is probably one of them, one of their more famous singles that I've only heard recently. Uh, yeah, I think like, so. You probably yeah. heard it, Smoking, all the yeah, very yeah, AOR, you know, middle of the road sort of stuff. <clears throat> but yeah, shout, shout out Boston, shout out Black Sabbath. But yeah, a, a Boston podcast will come soon enough, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Ed Sandman uh, has been played, as I said, exactly 1,267 times. Uh, first played August 1st, 91 in Pentaluma. Am I saying that right, California? Mm-hmm. Pen, yeah, uh, yeah, Penaluma. Penaluma. And it was last played at the time I was recording this two days ago. So, of course, they're still playing yeah. it every single show. It was played February 16th in Mannheim, Germany. Um, normally, uh, you know, Alphatalica listeners, we close with some sort of generic getting to know you questions. But obviously, you know Clinton Ethan very, very well. I know them very, very well, at least through virtue of the podcast. So, I thought I'd do something <laughs> a little bit different here. Uh, on my other podcast, Battle Up Resume, uh, I often ask the guests uh, from the Proust questionnaire, which people may be aware of. Vanity Fair still asks the questions every issue. It's basically a parlor game. Uh, it wasn't devised by Proust, but it kind of he made it popular. And he believed that in answering these questions, an individual reveals his or her true nature. So there's about 20, 30 questions. I'm just going to ask five at random. And I'm just interested, as fans of you guys, what you're going to say about this. So, uh, is this uh, a part of the show? Where, is this part of the show where we show you on the doll, where they touch? Just... <laughs> show me on the doll. 
which Tom, town... Tom, touch me right there. Boston, touch me right in the heart. Um, which, which it was ta- more than a feeling. It was. <laughs> which, <laughs> which talent, Clint, we'll start with you. Which talent would you most like to have? Um, top top wow. of the head questions, yeah, I should have let you think about these. But let, just impulse answers. You know, I, I, I've... I have a. I'm a singer and a songwriter. Um, I'm not going to be winning any Grammys for singing. My range is very small. Or, or be nominated? Um, uh, no, unlike unlike <laughs> every one of my congratulations, friends, by the way, Ethan. That was amazing. Hey, thank you. Um, I, but when I hear a really great singer, um, I I do wish I could sing. Like if if I could really sing great and had a really big range and a, a lot of character in my voice, I think about that often because you know you yeah, can't. You, that's not a skill you can acquire. I mean, that's genetic. So yeah, definitely. There's something cool about being saddled with what you're born with and making that work and writing to the strengths of your voice. That's yeah. kind of how you become good at it. But I do wish I, I could sing, like, really, really belt. Yeah. Fair, fair I enough, wish that man. for you, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I li- I've been listening to Unnamed Feeling Loads, your cover of it. I, I love it, Clint. Re- I think your singing's oh, thanks, great man. on it. Thank Clint, you so Clint much. Clint has a good voice. He's got a, he's, yeah, it's he beautiful, have a, I would have a good say. Voice. Yeah, it's very Dare soft I and say. sultry. It's like uh, it's <laughs> like Brad. It's like Brad Delph of Boston. Um, so, Ethan, will <laughs> Ethan, uh, which talent would you most like to have? Um, I think uh, I would love to have, uh, still in the arts, I guess, uh, the ability to not only draw amazing stuff like tattoo flash, but be able to actually tattoo. Wow! Mm. I have a I have a ton of tattoos all over my body, and I've never, I've never even held a, a, a tattoo machine and. I mean, I've held one, but I've never like actually tattooed somebody. <clears throat> so I would love to be able to like, I just don't have those art skills in me. That's not part of my DNA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but if I could draw that kind of stuff, like the old school, traditional kind of Sailor Jerry looking tattoos, uh, a lot of the kind of style that I get, I would love to be able to also be a, a really good tattoo artist. Will you tattoo I love mom on my butt? Yep. Do you, do you have any Metallica tattoos? I don't know if you mentioned it on the show. I don't. I, no. Clint and I both uh, have, have numerous times talked about getting Metallica tattoos. I think Clint wants to get the the, the M star. I either mm. want to get the the M star or the Quilt Snake. Nice. Not not not, not just not just a reload back piece. <laughs> <laughs> On my back. Yeah. I'm, you know, uh, our friend Blake Talica has obviously thirty one. Oh yeah, yeah. But, uh, I remember that guy. Yeah, that's amazing. As much as it's my least favorite record, I love that Saint Anger Fist. Yeah. Oh yeah. Head did. It's so good. I, I would maybe get that because that'd be a good conversation piece too. Like I thought you didn't like that record. What about you, Tommy? Would you do you have any metallic tattoos or would I'm you get not, one? I'm not really a tattoo guy. Uh, it's not really my sort of bag, to be honest with you. So probably not though. Um, but come I mean, on, get 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 the Lulu cover on your throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, maybe oh, Carpe Diem Baby, just the lyrics on my shoulder. Or something. <laughs> um, I'm gonna get Carpe Diem Baby along my waist. <laughs> Clint, what are your favorite names? Like people's names? I guess for people, yeah. It's not really clear, but I, I think it means just, just general people names, yeah. Um, uh, For a female, I'll just I'll just go for it and say Guinevere. Oh. <laughs> nice. Watching Game of Thrones, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I don't know for a man. I, I don't know. I really don't. Nathaniel. How about that? Nathaniel. Nathaniel, Nathaniel and Guinevere. Okay. Ethan? Um... I, my wife and I don't have kids and aren't planning on it, but we have to also talk like if it ever happened. Uh, and this would work for a boy or a girl. And this is a little hat tip to your country. We like the name Brixton. Ooh. Brixton, yeah, that's a nice Brixton, name. Brixton, yeah, that's a nice name. Could be could be a guy or girl. Um, By the way, you mentioning the kid thing. 
thanks for making me feel like a total piece of shit for not saying my daughter's <laughs> name. I thought you were going to say that. You're like, I'm just going to go ahead and God say it. I'm like, oh, it. he's going to say no. I fucking blew it. Um, yeah, I like that. Um, you know, and I really do. I'm not trying to one-up Clint here. Uh, my wife's name is Callie, but it's it's God uh, damn it. It's spelled uh, K-A-L-L-E. It's actually or Swedish. Oh, nice. Uh, and she's from California. Get it? Oh. Whoa, man. Whoa. Let's go smoke some pot and listen to some Boston, man. <laughs> Way ahead of you. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say James and Lars, but um, it's all good. Uh, Clint, what is your most treasured possession? I would have to say my daughter, Nova. There you go. <laughs> Attaboy. Nice save. No, man, I've, I have this... Um, my grandfather, who passed away a few years ago, he's the only other musician in my family. He, he collected... He wasn't much of a player, but... He collected a bunch of old um, vintage Gibson and Martin acoustic guitars. Mm. And just some of the power dynamics in my family, a lot of people in my family took advantage of, of his money or his generosity in some ways, and I sort of grew up seeing it. And I always thought it was pretty gross, never really liked it. And uh, when I was 17 or 18 and you know, playing in bands, starting to make records and shit, I, uh, I saved up $1,700, and I drove to Montgomery, Alabama, where I was born, and I told my grandfather, I said, hey, I, I want to buy one of your J200s. He had a bunch of Gibson J200s. And uh, I was like, I definitely want to pay for it. I want a family discount and be good, but I got 1700 bucks. What do you think? And he said, well, go on in and pick one out, right? So I went in the house and played through about five or six of them and picked out this. Anyone who knows me knows my blonde J200. It's an 81. And uh, I went and picked it out, and I gave him the money and hung out with him for a bit. And then I got in my car to split. And as I was pulling out of the driveway, he ran up to the car and shook my hand and gave me my money back. Oh, that's awesome. Mm, that's and nice. so, you know, that guitar will be in my family forever. It'll go to my daughter. You know, when you're a musician, gear comes and goes a lot. Sure. And I'm, I'm actually not a really sentimental person about much of anything, but that guitar means a lot to me. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Ethan, what about yourself? Top that. Uh, I'd say my um, most valued possession. That's a Megadeth lyric, by the way. Most valued possession. Plain sight is always 2020. God. I would say my most valued possession would be Clint. Because <laughs> I think of him as a possession. <laughs> no, I, honestly, now the slave becomes the master, that's man. That's right. There we go. Honestly, uh, I'm, I'm going to go the guitar route, too. I have a, an 84 Guild uh, D25 that uh, I wanted because I learned on my dad's 71 Guild D25. And... This guitar was on consignment or something at this local music shop in Orange County we used to go to. And uh, I just was working a job like after school and would go down there and put like 20 bucks or 50 bucks at a time on it. And then for my birthday, I think that year, it was like my senior, junior, senior year in high school, um, my dad went down for my birthday and got a case for it and paid off the rest. Mm. And so and I, I just wanted that same all mahogany guild like my dad had, you know. And when I saw it, I'm like, that's the one I got to get. And so I still have it to this day. That's the, that would be the first thing, of course, after my wife and animals. If my house is on fire, that would be mm -hmm. the first thing I'd go grab after they were safe. This is, this is eye-opening. Okay. Uh, Clint, <laughs> Clint, which living person do you most admire? Hey, Clint. 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 <laughs> Other than my homie Ethan here. Right. Um, Don't say Paul Moak. <laughs> I do admire Paul. No, um, shoot, dude. That's hard. That's hard get, on the spot. Gonna, That's hard. I'm going to get it wrong, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, a guy, a guy that I, I look up to a lot, I've learned a lot from, and, and it's not for this podcast, but a, a guy whose ideas have literally changed my life would be a guy named Sam Harris. Oh, man. Waking up. 
Yeah, mm. but well, before he did the podcast, though, you know, he, he's an author. And uh, he's Letter to a side. Christian Nation is yeah, unbelievable. His his first book he wrote after nine eleven, and it's called The End of Faith, mm. and uh, and then he followed that up with Letter to a Christian Nation. He wrote an amazing book about morality called The Moral Landscape. He wrote a really great book called Lying about lying. He wrote a great book about free will, and so in my sort of early twenties, discovering his work, even through now, he has this podcast called Waking Up. I listen to and. A lot of sort of my formative ideas and worldviews were, I mean, I don't blindly, I don't agree with everything he says, but were helped, he helped me sort of cultivate and shape a lot of my current worldview, and that affects pretty much every aspect of my life, from my music to my family, and my friendships and relationships, so... I admire mm. him. He's doing good work, you know. Mm, mm. Yeah, he's he's just got a brilliant sense of expression, hasn't he? As well, he always comes up with very elegant phrases. So I really admire. He's him a great or well. yeah, he's a great orator. You know, I would have said Christopher Hitchens, but Christopher Hitchens passed away. Yes, but there's I have a picture of me actually shaking Christopher Hitchens' hand, telling him thank you. That's oh really? Awesome for change, for, for awesome. changing my life, I, I met him right before he died. Um, oh, wow. He was doing a, a debate tour. And when he got diagnosed with esophageal cancer, he canceled uh, everything on that tour except for the Birmingham, Alabama. And wow. my wife, Isabel, bought me a, uh, you could pay extra to do a meet and greet with Hitch. Oh, cool. And she actually got the picture of me shaking his hand. Oh, I was going to cry talking about it. Oh, awesome. All right. That's very so, cool. <clears throat> Ethan, okay. your turn. Ethan. All right. Um, I got to say, it's a, a mutual friend of me and Clint, but I, I've known him forever. And uh, a guy named John Davis. Mm. I highly look up to just because uh, even before we became friends, I was a big fan of his band called Super Drag. And uh, as a songwriter, as a guitar player, I just I listened to those records a ton and it, it was just beyond inspiring to me, uh, especially this these two records in particular, one called Head Trip in Every Key and one called In the Valley of Dying Stars. And um, his music before I even knew him just like changed my life and like the way I wrote and like the way he writes and I would figure out his songs. I'm like, gosh, I've never thought to do that before. So it really was helpful. And then I, over, over time I got to know him and we became really close friends and he played on my old band's records a couple times. And, uh, he's just always been a very inspiring person. Like even just going from what he did and, and getting sober and all this stuff and sticking to that. And like, he's the kind of guy that when he says, I'm going to do this, like he's going to do it tenfold, you know? And maybe that's like the addict in him or something. But like, if he, like his current band's called the leaves of memory and he was like, I'm going to write a double record. And I was like, okay, wow. And he did. And it's good. And like, he's just a, a guy I've always looked up to. Um, and we have so many things in common from music to skateboarding, whatever, to ba we're both baseball fans, this and that. So yeah, I'm going to say John Davis. Okay. We're going to finish up final question. We're going to get deep now. Clint, how would you like, now to we're getting deep. <laughs> Clint, how would you like to die? Oh, wow. Um, I have actually spent a lot of time thinking about this. Um, obviously, painless, you know. Yeah. I'd like to be the. Um, I would like to be the arbiter of my own death. I'd like to decide, mm. and uh, I'd like to have my family around me, and I'd like to go go down on a morphine morphine binge, a morphine drip. I'd like to be able to really, and nothing's nothing super drawn out. But Ryan Adams was once asked, uh, "What's the last poem you want to hear before you die?" And his answer was, "The longest poem ever written." <laughs> How. Um, the thought of dying really makes me sad, yeah. but um, but if I did have to choose it, I'd like to be able to be lucid, talk to my family, tell them goodbye, and then I'd like to be able to go out. Go out. Fade to black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life, <laughs> it seems, will fade away. Or, or I, and I'll follow it up with a, with a B if I get a second option. Okay. Put me, put me in a fucking astronaut suit. Send me into over the event horizon of a black hole. 
Damn. <laughs> How bitch would that be? That's a new Lunar Satan song you gotta write. Yeah, come Holy on. shit. Yeah. I'm kind of with Clint on his first answer. Like, it would it, it would be nice. To, like, uh, even recently, my grandfather passed away uh, in, in uh, November, and he was in a lot of pain for a while, but then it, it was, he was basically just at home. They sent him home basically to die because they couldn't help him anymore. But he was, you know, under pain management and stuff, so he wasn't really uncomfortable. And my uncle, you know, talked to him a bunch, like, and the the caretaker that was in the house with him. I mean, she was there when he passed away, and, and so it was similar to Clint's. So I would, that would be my choice would be around loved ones, and I slowly just kind of fade off, and it's and it's painless and it's comfortable. But the scary thing about thinking about it is like you don't know when it's going to happen. You right. not you not having like agency in it or control over it is really one of the scariest things about it. That that's what scares me about death the most isn't the actual dying part, it's how. Yeah. And I don't know when or how it's going to happen, you know? Um I always think it's on going to be on an airplane cuz I despise flying, but I've been fine so far. I, I have a I have a mantra when I fly and on the bus, surrender to death. Yeah. Surrender to death. Well, please email us in metallicabody@gmail.com. <laughs> How do you want to die? And uh, what are your thoughts on Enter Sandman? Of course... Just keep it positive at the end of this episode. Yikes. Uh, of course, you know, you know about Metal, your podcast. And if you don't, check them out. It's an incredible podcast. You know, I love listening every single week. Uh, support them on the Patreon. Uh, the, the covers EP is all on there with Nick's artwork. Is that right? Yeah. Nick McCoviak did the artwork and he crushed it. Mm. It was a piece that he, he already did. And Clint, I think, saw it when he was like, dude, can we use this? And he was he was stoked. We compensated him for it, and everyone seems to really like it. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is amazing. So, you know, uh, subscribe to the channel, of course. I'm, we're actually recording this. I'm about to go on to Metal at Your Podcast. Uh, we're going to do top five underrated Metallica songs, so keep an ear out for that as well. I think it will be out around about the same time. Um, and top five Boston B-sides. <laughs> Boston Deep Cuts. Oh, wait, you know what? That would be all of their records, except for the one song. <laughs> you know, you know, their debut oh. album was recorded in a basement, and they yeah, didn't, well, they didn't right. realize it was a demo. And it, that's what it is it, as a studio I'm, album. It, it's one guy doing oh, wow. everything. It's like, yeah, I mean, I look. Yeah, I think I think it was the main dude and just a drummer. Yeah, yeah, that's that it. did that that's first it. record. Yeah, yeah it's uh, but um, pretty shout, cool. Yeah, we're here to talk about Metallica and Enter Sandman, but there will, there will inevitably <laughs> be a be a Boston shootout. But um, yeah, thank you guys so much. This has been great to have you on. Hey, thank dude, you, we, man, we love your show, and we're so honored to be your guest, and, you know, I'm really glad in the Pantheon of Metallic Podcast, glad we found each other, Yeah, glad we're friends and we work together. Yeah, man. You're doing really great work. I love your flavor on your show, so... Keep it up, man. Thank you. Keep thank it you up, dude. Thank you. Uh, well, you know, if, uh, if, if you want to support us as well, please leave us a review on iTunes, Patreon, all that good stuff, but yeah, check out Metal Your Podcast, and Clint, Ethan, thank you guys so much again. Thanks, yeah. dude.